Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Kins 5, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd. Joining me today, we have Evan Klosky. What up? And Tom Petrini. How's it going, guys? Guys, I just want to take care of some unfun stuff off the top here. Uh, this week, we lost a legend, Elgin Baylor, uh, one of, I think, uh, the... Uh, Maybe one of the more unheralded legends uh, before YouTube. A lot of highlights of him weren't available, but the uh, Los Angeles Laker was uh, kind of ahead of his game, ahead of the time there and how he played the game. Uh, Evan, do you have any thoughts on Elgin Baylor? Uh, any, any memories that stick out to you on him? I mean, he's just uh, a, tr- a tremendous basketball player, so well-respected. Uh, you know, Pop, I think, said it best when it was just like during his time. And, of course, Pop was, was watching him kind of growing up there uh, – much younger, I shouldn't say growing up, but he was a much younger age. And just watching him and understanding that he was so above his class, like what he was doing on the basketball court was just something that they've, that anybody has ever seen before. And um, like, you know, when, when he died, I had to go back and just look at some of his statistics. And uh, I, I find it hilarious that he had a season where he averaged 38 points and 19 rebounds. <laughs> I mean, like, in the season prior to that, he averaged 35 points and 20 rebounds. I mean, this guy was, like, it was like, he was the varsity, everybody else was the JV, and the best, the best of the best during that time had no chance against this dude. So, um, as far as, like, silly statistics go and just looking at, like, the raw numbers, like, it's it, it kind of reminds you of just how dominant he was and um you know a sad a sad day for for basketball fans and just um you know everybody you know I, I obviously wasn't alive watching him but you know our parents and and people who were you know younger you know idolizing him it you know it, it sucks um, i mean 11 time uh nba all-star and he was the general manager of the clippers for 22 years Um, so this guy, I mean, that's, that's 33 years right there of, uh, you know, pretty high profile work in a tough industry. Um, and I mean, some of those numbers that he he was putting up, you you know, it's like Wilt where it's like, are we really sure that this happened? Like there were no cameras back then. Like we, we just have one little rinky dink newspaper account to this. (laughs) Are we sure? Uh, but I mean, you can go back and look at the tape. I mean, I, I think his game would have translated. Um, you know, he, he, you're right, Jackson. He was ahead of his time on the court. Um, so yeah, definitely a, a big loss for the basketball community. Is, is that Keldon Johnson's ceiling, Elgin Baylor, you know, 35 points, 20 rebounds <laughs> after his 2020 think- game, you know, the ceiling's the roof, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, why not? I got, I got something for you guys. Big, 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 big body. Big, 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 Where did you big, find big, this? Big body. The, the internet's undefeated. No, that, that comes from uh, Spurs Twitter. Uh, uh, Spurs Reddit, I'm sorry. I can't. Spurs Reddit. I, I, you showed me that this morning, and I was drinking coffee, and I almost spit up my coffee. It was, I was like, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, yeah. and I was just in, in such shock. Yeah, we've got a fun little video. We might have to post it to the, the Twitter after uh, we record today. But uh, just I a, think you should. What a, what a beautiful song for a, for a beautiful man there. Uh, just uh, one of our favorite Spurs, most exciting, exciting Spurs to watch there. Uh, yeah, uh, big 2020 weekend for him. I think that was that kind of the, the cap, you would say, on, on, on this, this road trip. Uh, just uh, I, I would say this road trip went better than we expected. Uh, three and two on the five games stand there, and they were without DeMar for a big chunk of those games. Uh, Tom, what did you take away from the, from the road trip stretch we saw there? I think in the three games that they won at the end, you know, we just forget about Philly, uh, where, you know, not many teams in the league would have beat Philly on that night. Um, they go into Detroit, get a, a solid game from DeJounte Murray, win that one. He has 19 points, six assists to lead the team in both categories. Uh, Next game, Jakob Pertl puts up 20 and 16. Um, that was his – and, I mean, in a, in a ridiculous huge comeback against the Bulls. Um, 
Game after that, Keldon Johnson, 23 points, 21 rebounds. First spur to do a 2020 game since Tim Duncan had the same numbers in 2013. Uh, and then they go to uh, Milwaukee and Kel- uh, Lonnie Walker 4 has 31 points career high. Um, so we saw a lot from the different young guys on this road trip um, that kind of made you say, wow, um, you know, not, and not just in the box score, right. It was how they did it. It was how they put up those numbers that really impressed me. So, um, you know, even, even that loss to Milwaukee, right. That was a schedule L that was, you saw it on the schedule. You knew that was going to happen, you know, weeks ago. Um, yeah, the Spurs went ahead and rested DeJounte Murray and Patty Mills for that game too. So yeah. Yeah. So they weren't, I mean, they didn't even have their whole roster. And honestly, if Derek White doesn't have his worst game of his career, um, they're in that. And I mean, Lonnie Walker, you know, a lot of people got pissed at me on Twitter because I said, like, that was Lonnie Walker's ceiling. I'm not saying that Lonnie Walker is never going to score 31 again. I'm saying the type of performance that he had, that's his ceiling, you know, shooting 15 times a game and, and getting his looks from deep and inside and, and, and scoring at three levels. Um, that's kind of the guy that you want, you know, on a consistent basis, that's the guy that you want. And, and to be fair, up until um, the Hornets game where, you know, he, he's out against the Clippers, um, his wrist has been hurting him. Honestly, his wrist has been hurting him the entire year, and he's been gutting through it. You know, I'm not surprised that that's probably part of his struggles, but even not even giving that as an excuse – before that Hornets game, um, 11 out of the last 12 games, he scored in double digits. You know, like he's, he's starting to find rhythm and getting himself points. Um, but yeah, I mean, going through that road trip, I thought there were a lot of, there were a lot of ups. There were a lot of downs. And it was really just kind of oscillating between exceptional play and exceptionally bad play. Like even in Cleveland, right? It was like, wow, like, you know, the Spurs are, are whooping on the Cavs. And then all of a sudden, they would play like five minutes of trash. And then right when the Cavs would get it close, boom, three minutes of exceptional play. And then the Cavs would get it close, and boom. So it was just like – and I felt like that was the whole road trip, you know. Um, the Bulls game, another great example. First half, the worst piece of basketball I've ever seen from the Spurs. Like, I cannot remember a time that the San Antonio Spurs – looked that bad it was horrific I mean we're all joking like all of us were joking on Twitter whisper I mean you know me Tom you Jackson uh all the fans that we engage with we were like what the hell are we what are we watching like it's so bad I can't look away uh but you know we all stuck through it and they played just remarkable basketball so you know you take the good you evaluate the bad and um you know, that's, uh, that's just kind of where they're at right now, where they're just kind of – they keep dipping and diving into great basketball and, and subpar basketball. We hear a lot about, like, you know, playing a 48-minute game, right? And that's something that they haven't been able to do, and it's cost them, right? Like, some of them they can figure it out. Like, Cleveland, Chicago, they figured those games out. They should have figured out the Charlotte game, uh, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know – if if you're playing against the Clevelands and, and Charlottes of the world, it's one thing, but if you're playing against a better team, you really can't afford to give them a quarter where they just completely destroy you on both ends. Yeah. Um, so something they need to work on. Yeah, thinking back to the, the Dallas game from a few weeks ago, right, kind of fell in that same mold. That, that was one where they, they had it in the bag until the fourth quarter when Luka kind of took over for a while there. Uh, and, of course, you're not going to always get a first half like you did from Luka Doncic in, in that game. Uh, I thought the defense um, in, in the Pistons and in the uh, Cavaliers game was really strong. Uh, I mean, they on three of those five games, they held teams to uh, 110 or below, and then uh, the, the Bulls and the Pistons were in double digits there, just 99 points for them. Um do we want to turn our attention to that Hornets game then? Because, uh, yeah, they, they start a nine-game homestand uh, in that game uh, with, with that game on Monday night. 
uh, and it's a, a stretch where, you know, they've never had a stretch that long before. It's a historic stretch. Um, the Hornets had just lost LaMelo Ball, one of two prominent injuries that kind of make basketball less fun, right? When the, the preemptive rookie of the year favorite it falls out, and then um, LeBron James kind of rolling his ankle with a high ankle sprain uh, over the weekend too, the, the MVP front runner falls out. Yeah, basketball is just a, 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 a takes a, a notch down there. But still, uh, without LaMelo Ball, uh, the, the Spurs do drop to the Hornets on Monday night and what should have been a win- winnable game, only scored 97 points that game. Uh, which is is Um, look they they didn't have it offensively um rudy terrible game keldon not a great game um i'm missing one uh, dejounte dejounte could have had a better game uh not not one of his better games so the spurs are a team of depth all right they can handle a guy here a guy there having off nights but you know um first off uh dejounte is an engine for this team when DeJounte is either a not in the court which hasn't hasn't been much this season but when he's on the court or if he's not having a great game the Spurs are going to struggle they are I mean the, the that that just goes to speak to how important uh DeJounte is now the other thing is the San Antonio Spurs are not good enough to allow teams to score points uh, off turnovers. San Antonio is the best team at protecting the basketball. They're also one of the best teams in transition as well. They limit your opportunities to get easy buckets. That is why they're nearly, they're right on the cusp of a top five defense. Um, the defense, honestly, in my opinion, was pretty darn good against the Hornets. Like, yeah, Charlotte got loose for some threes, but uh, overall, if you remove the 20 some odd points that the Hornets got off of turnovers, I mean, you're holding them to like 90 if you just cut that in half. So, and you win that game easily. So, you know, I don't think, look, the, 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 you know, there are usually, there are two factors when the Spurs lose a close game that seem to always pop up. It's the points off turnovers and it's the offensive rebounding. I also don't think they did a great job on the glass again, um, one of their weaker nights when I was looking at the numbers on, on cleaning the glass. So um, those are two things that are, are their Achilles heels in close losses. And, um, and, and that's all it comes down to. I, I don't think it's anything bigger than that. I don't think there's a big problem. We know that the San Antonio Spurs are not an offensive juggernaut and they're going to sometimes struggle from the field. They just are. And that night they need to win with defense and they did a pretty darn good job. They just they needed to do a better job protecting the ball, and they would have won that game. I mean, what stood out to me too was just yeah, like you said, the offensive performance. Just two players score more than ten points. You know, you're not going to win many games when when just two players score more than ten. Uh, DeRozan had 28. Derek White rebounding from a from a what was his worst performance of the season, like you said, uh, and just. Uh, taking a lot of ire and uh, uh, some of the fire on, on social media after that five for nine from three, which uh, was helpful. Uh, Tom, you pointed out um, that uh, he, he scored a three to begin um, each quarter, right? Uh, that's a good way to start for him. Uh, talk about his rebounding game, his rebound there. Yeah. I mean, he, he came out from the rip aggressive um, and, you know, was a, a driving force for them in this game. Um, they, they really just needed a little bit of, a little bit more out of a couple of guys, um, and they could have won this. Um, excuse me. Yeah. One of those days, guys. Mondays. Oh, <laughs> you feel me? As we um, record on a Wednesday. Ooh, that's spicy. <laughs> um, I mean, overall, Charlotte Charlotte played well, even though they didn't shoot the ball particularly well because the Spurs' defense played pretty well. Um, <clears throat> Scary Terry, Scarence Terrence. I mean, Scarence Terrence. That's his full government. Like he is Don't good. Um, yeah, he's he's a good basketball player. He was getting to the line, super duper crafty. Uh, Gordon Hayward getting buckets every single time the Spurs got back in the game a little bit. He was there to just like push him back. Um, I we hear a lot about how this team misses Demar Derozan and his scoring when he's out. They do. Uh, he makes it easier for everybody. He's a, a distributor and, you know, so much more than just the buckets he gets. Um, Spurs definitely missed Lonnie Walker in this game. He only played the first half. Um, you mentioned he's been dealing with the wrists. Um, 
it's gotten to a point with his wrists where he looks like he can't or really doesn't want to fall on them, you know, and that presents its own challenges, right? Because, you know, in, in that 31 point game, he went in for a layup and got like kind of bumped into by Keldon Johnson. And like, you know, I know Keldon's a big burly guy, but it didn't look like enough to knock somebody over. But it was kind of one of those things where once he was kind of falling, he was, he was like, oh, God, no, I'm going to fall, and I don't want to fall on my hands. And then he, and then big, he took big, a big, spill big, and was big. like, <laughs> damn it, Jackson. Have it at the ready. Anytime we, uh, we need to talk about big body here. We need a more productive soundboard. We need a soundboard with more than just this. No, this is the only soundboard we got. It's a one-trick pony. I got, I got one more for you guys. I got one more sound for you guys. Hold on. Big, 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 big body. I'm just, I'm sorry. Go on. Lonnie Walker's wrists. Yeah, no, but so he, he got bounced down by big body there. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're falling and you can't land on your wrists, that presents challenges for your arms and your elbows and shoulders. And so pop taking him out of the Charlotte game, you know, you guys know me. You know I've advocated for more play for Lonnie Walker. Uh, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, if Bob just plays Lonnie Walker down the stretch in this game, you and I get it. But, like, you know, this was a put him in bubble wrap, I'm protecting you from yourself type of benching from Pop, um, who, who said earlier in the week that he was banged up. So, um, you know, I, I think they, sh- they should take as much time as, uh, as they need to, to get him right because he, he is an important player. Uh, I think even coming off the bench, especially coming off the bench. I, I think you're, you're, you're nailing that on the head there, though. In, in terms of not wanting to fall on your wrists, that means you're backing down on the aggression, right? And Lonnie Walker is his best self when he is aggressive Lonnie. When he's aggressive Lonnie, I mean, he, he, he's almost like a skinny big body, right? He's charging the lane. He's, he's doing these high-flying dunks. Uh, they're, they're very complimentary players in, the, in that sense. Uh, I'm not going to play the song, uh, even though I mentioned it. I know Evan was, was gearing up for it. but uh, It's such a bummer, though, because like he was just figuring out the mental part, right? He's always had the physical part of being able to run and jump and fly and do all of that and you know he's the jumper's good and it's just decision making and aggression with him and he was you know really showing the combination of that with his undeniable physical talent and now his body's like hey bud uh please be real careful with me right now i don't want to fall um so so that's a that's a huge bummer and a, a bit of a stumbling block for sure i would just honestly i would just I would just rest him a few games. You know, I'm sure that Lonnie wants to play. That's why he's been playing all season long. Again, this is not an injury that just sprouted up. We've known about this injury for what? I mean, this happened in like the first month of basketball towards like the end of that first month. So this is, you know, he's always had that, that wrap on his wrist. And I'm sure that some days it feels better than others. But yeah, you know, he just this team is built on depth take a few plays off, sit, and, uh, th- you know, there are, there are tons of capable dudes who can fill in for Lonnie. I, I don't think that missing Lonnie is going to completely alter the trajectory of where the Spurs are going this season if they just give him his due time. And, and it's only fair to Lonnie, too, because, uh, you know, I, I don't want to see, a, I don't see uh, Lonnie at 50%, you know? That's not fair. Like, he's, he's busting his tail, and, and he's got he's to showcase his talents you know, his second contract is going to be coming closer too. So he's just only going to be working against himself. And, you know, that's a, a tough spot to be in. Are we going to get sued for playing that song? I, I think we're clear in the clear. Uh, no, because it's a parody. Okay, okay, all right, we're good. Yeah, parodies are all good. Well, they're going to hold Lonnie out tonight. Uh, he's on the injury report alongside Rudy Gay. Uh, we'll be interested to see what happens with this back-to-back two as they take on the Clippers tonight and tomorrow night, recording this on Wednesday. Uh, before we turn our attention to what's ahead, though, the trade deadline expires in 24 hours. The Spurs haven't made a move. Do you guys see anything changing uh, before that deadline hits? I know, Evan, you're shocked. What do you wow. think? Oh, wow, Faith. Um. No. You know, uh, as I said last week, I should have stuck to my guns against Woj when I said that the LaMarcus Aldridge buyout was coming. I didn't. Um, you know, 
people are going to complain like, oh, they held on to LaMarcus too long, yada, yada, yada. I just, I'm sorry. Like, hindsight's always 20-20. Uh, I, I personally don't think the Spurs should have gave up on LaMarcus last year. Um, you know, especially if you're building for the future, especially because we thought that LaMarcus found something with shooting threes and that would have, you know, would have, was a big asset. So, you know, you had him for a year. It was worth it to bring him back for a year. I don't think any team, like, again, this goes back to the fact that everybody will crap all over LaMarcus Aldridge, yet they all expect major things in return for LaMarcus Aldridge. Don't get it. So just do the buyout, get some money back. As I said, the Holtz do not want to go over that luxury tax. So even the money working out, even though that's super difficult, it's even more difficult because the Spurs are right up on that tax line, meaning they can't even take back more than like a million dollars to make it work because that's going to bring them over the tax line. So uh, I think the buyout probably is the, the best route for LaMarcus. As for all the other reports we've heard, I cannot tell you how many times we've heard that DeMar DeRozan does not want to return to San Antonio. I cannot tell you how many times we have asked DeMar DeRozan about these reports. And he said, if they do not come from my mouth, do not listen to them. That's not saying that he's going to return next year. I'm just telling you that these reports most likely come from executives or agents trying to push things in their direction. That's just my feel. I do also feel like DeMar DeRozan does not want to return to San Antonio, not because he doesn't like playing for the Spurs, not because he doesn't like playing for pop. I personally think that for his own personal life, he would like to see if he can get to a different location. Um, having said that, no team is going to offer DeMar DeRozan the ability to be DeMar DeRozan like the Spurs. He is an integral part of the offense and what they do here. And I don't think another team is going to give him the keys of the car. So as long as DeMar is okay being third fiddle on a championship team, championship caliber team then that's fine if you want to take a pay cut to do that that's also fine but i still think the most money would come from the spurs i still think the best role from any nba team would most likely come from the spurs so uh, you know to me uh if you're not going to give me anything worthwhile for demar i'm keeping him if i had if if demar sat me down if i'm brian Wright, and he was like look i am not returning next year 1,010%, I am out. Then I would be willing to at least get 80 cents on the dollar. But again, DeMar helps you get to the playoffs this year. And playoff experience is important. So same thing with Rudy. You're not going to get anything massive for Rudy. And Rudy, I don't care what people want to say about the eye test. Like, the, the, the numbers and everything that I see is Rudy is still one of the best plus minuses on the team. Now, I don't think Rudy should start, and, and I don't think Rudy should necessarily close either, but he has a, a really good role in the Spurs. He's very successful, and whether he's playing with guys who make him better than what he is, I don't want to hear it because that's what teams are. Like, stop telling me. That like, oh, Rudy's only good because he plays with Yach and DeJounte and Derek and different rotations and yada, yada, yada. Like, he's on a team. Like, like, I'm sorry. He plays with those guys. And he consistently plays with those guys. So nobody's asking him to play one on five. Nobody's asking him to play in lineups without those guys. He's super effective in those lineups. So why are we creating hypotheticals of where he's not going to play in those lineups, of where he's going to be starting? You know? Like, it just... I get it. Like he's not a sexy player anymore. His skill set is a depreciating value in the NBA, but, but he works for this year for the rest of this year. I like him. Thank you for your services. You know, go chase a title somewhere else after the year, but I'm not trading him for peanuts. He's, he's lettuce, right? You know, on its own, it's, it's, it's lettuce, you know, the most bland, yeah. kind of boring food. You put lettuce on a hamburger. Now you're talking, you got cheese, you got the meat, you got the ketchup on you. <laughs> I, so uh, that, that reminds me, Jackson, of a, uh, a, a good food metaphor from our, our friend Bill Taylor, uh, who was explaining to viewers the difference between a thunderstorm watch and a thunderstorm warning. Uh, and a watch 
is like you got all the ingredients for cupcakes, right? You got the eggs and the flour and the frosting and all of that and, and the oven and your kitchen is all set up. Uh, and then a warning is like, it's actually, it's actually happening. Like the baking process has commenced. They're in the oven. Um, and it, it seems like the, the Spurs have all of the ingredients for a really good team. And sometimes it feels like they're cooking a little bit, but we've never, we haven't seen them do it uh, with all the right ingredients. First of all, they haven't had all the ingredients healthy at the same time for a lot of this season. Um, and, and I think because of that in a large part, they've struggled to put it together consistently. Yeah. I mean, right now the Spurs sit in seventh seed um, in the seventh spot in the West. They're half a game out of the eighth spot tonight. They play the Clippers. The Mavericks are the eighth seed play the Wolves. There's a decent chance to wake up in the morning and those spots have switched. Um, but does that mean that the Spurs need to, to, to fire sell, you know, to, to get rid of DeMar to go ahead and tank for the year? No, because even as the eighth seed in the West and after that, I mean, after the eighth seed, the Western conference kind of, tanks a little bit you know curry's missing a little a few more weeks now with this injury warriors aren't going to be you know kind of challenging for a while you still want to make the hunt you still want to try to get into the playoffs at this point in time uh because the young guys need the experience you know another year of getting keldon i mean keldon hasn't been in the playoffs yet get him some playoff experience show him how the the game changes you know as the rotations tighten you know that'll be helpful get devin vassell shooting in a playoff game you know this is all stuff that's building for the future so don't sell demar uh, and try to get a top seed or try to get a top pick in the, 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 the playoffs. Hey, I mean, you're not going to get that uh, a top pick in the, the draft coming up because that's not what DeMar is worth to a lot of teams. But um, yeah, I mean. Yeah. I mean, here's my thing. This is why I don't overreact to losses. Look, it sucked losing to the Hornets. I get it. And you know, I'm not saying like you should be happy that it happened. Should the Spurs <laughs> win that game on paper? Yeah, they should. But I can go through every single NBA team of games that they lose, and it's going to happen at least five to six times a year. Um, and the Hornets isn't even like that bad of a loss in the context of watching the game. It was, it was a really good game. But, again, the Spurs' uh, points differential is nearly top ten. The Spurs' defense is nearly top five. Their offense is mediocre. And when you have a mediocre offense, you're going to have nights where you're just stinking where you just it's the, the ball is not going in the hoop. And that's what you kind of had with the Hornets because a, a few players just didn't have it. But overall, they're fine. Like they're at least when I look at their numbers and everything I'm seeing, like they're a playoff team. They're going to be in the playoffs. So there's no need to just trade people for 20 cents on the dollar just because you need to get something because that something is not going to mean anything come next year or in the future. Like it just doesn't. Uh, second round picks don't mean diddly, you know what in the NBA, they just don't. And teams like the Spurs might be able to take advantage of them from time to time, but they don't need to trade for them, you know, because the odds of a second pick, the second round pick actually becoming something uh, is fairly slim. Probability speaking, not saying it doesn't happen, just saying, probabilities are the second round pick is not going to materialize. So um, yeah, if somebody wants to throw a first round pick out there, I'm very willing to, to listen and pull trigger. Are many teams going to do that? Yeah. I don't think so. And I feel, I still think we're in a time period where teams don't want to help out the Spurs, that the Spurs, the Spurs know what they're doing better than you know what you're doing. And they're going to have that stank on them for a long time, which is why they develop the crap out of players and they're really successful at doing it. Big, 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 big body. In case you need a reminder, as the Spurs know what they're doing more than other teams they know. They especially so. know what they're doing with the 29th overall pick. There you go. Uh, another name that kind of cropped up this week uh, in, in Crop? terms of cropped. <laughs> It cropped up in, uh, in, in, uh, in uh, trade rumors this week uh, was Trey Lyles, you know. Uh, Tom, I know you're a little higher on Trey and what he's meant to the Spurs team and what he could mean to the Spurs team. What did you think of the, the name kind of appearing? And, and uh, you know, would you part your way with, part ways with Trey if, you know, he's a free, restricted free agent this offseason? He, he could leave the Spurs. Is it worth trying to get something for that? I mean, it, it makes sense from probably him, his and his agent's perspective of, you know, okay – we we were we had a good thing going here last year, and then all of a sudden now I can't find minutes. What's the deal? 
um, <clears throat> you know, I, I could understand him wanting to uh, see if there's another team that could use his skill set before he's, you know, a free agent again. Because, uh, you know, he, he wants to get reps and he wants to get, um, you know, minutes and playing time and tape out there that's like, hey, I'm actually a pretty good NBA player. And he is. Um, I think that down the stretch in the rest of this year, the Spurs are going to need him, um, you know, just for depth, for big man depth, especially with Marcus Aldridge not with the team. We talked about the effect of that and, you know, will we see more of Trey Lyles? Will we see more of Lucas Shamanich? And really we've seen more of Drew Eubanks, uh, which, I mean, love Drew. We, we love Drew on the pod here, uh, but definitely uh, would like to see a little bit more of those other guys just just so the Spurs can gauge where they're at, you know, in their development and in terms of what they can bring to an NBA team. Um, so... I think moving forward, we'll, we'll see a little bit if they're trying to make any moves in that regard. But, um, you know, I, it, we saw in the, in the Philly game, that was kind of the last time we saw any real extended Trey Lyles minutes. And he started that game and guarded Ben Simmons uh, for a little bit, but like didn't really do much else. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know where, where they're at with Trey Lyles. I think if, if anybody wants to – I think the Spurs would probably like to keep him because he's cheap. Uh, and, you know, if, if they can just have him as depth for the rest of the year, that would be great for them. Um, he and his agent probably wouldn't mind if, if there was somebody who was like, hey, we could use a stretch four uh, who can, you know, sometimes guard multiple positions. What's Trey Lyles doing? Uh, so, trade deadline, less than 24 hours away. We think the Spurs are going to stay put across the board, right, guys? I mean, I don't, I don't see them parting with any of these guys. I mean, the, the one with the best thing every year. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Spurs fans on Twitter and Reddit and wherever platforms they find. Big <laughs> body. I, I accidentally closed the clip. I can't play it right now, but I'll open it back up. Here. <laughs> you closed it so that you couldn't go back to it. Yeah, it was enough. I think it was five times he was, uh, was pushing the link. Reddit. There. How to do it. Yeah. But yeah, so fans on social media might express uh, a little uh, disappointment that it was a buyout for Aldridge and not a trade. You know, that we couldn't get any pieces. We let him go for nothing. You know, we, we took on that contract. That's an expense. You know, the buying out a contract is, is not, not fun for teams to do because they take on expenses. That kind of locks you up for the rest of the year in terms of what you can do in the markets and things like that. Um, but a buyout means that you're not taking on mediocre long term contracts. You know, a lot of the players we saw mentioned from the Heat eat up cap space next year, right? Eat up cap space in the future. Next year, the Spurs are one of three teams with $40 million or more in cap space to use. That's incredibly value, incredibly valuable. Uh, with the young team you have, that means you can go out and be competitive in the market. I'm not saying you're going to go out and sign the Giannis Antetokounmpo's or whomever might be the biggest name in the free agent poll next year. Uh, honestly, the biggest name in the free agent poll next year might be DeMar DeRozan. We'll see. But I mean, that means you might be able to compete for rotational guys. You know, we've seen uh, the, 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 the depth in the front court has been kind of something we've talked about on this podcast. Go out and sign one of those top tier rotational players in that position with the money you have. Trading Aldridge might seem like the right move in the short term to, to get someone else, but it locks up your cap room uh, if you're taking on these, uh, these contracts that have been floated out there. So Yeah, and, and that's, I mean, that was my thing that I said a while back too is, you know, Trading a Trey Lyles is whatever, you know, he's, he costs nothing. You can make that money work and you can take back a salary, put him on the bench and whatever, you know, you can even cut the dude, whatever you can take back a year, but, but LaMarcus is so much money. It's way more complicated to make the money work and the years. So I agree, you know, you can't be trading. I don't care if you get an asset. I don't want to lock up any cap space in the future because if they want to, ball out and get John Collins. They want to put a, a really good offer out to Lori Marketing. Those are kind of the guys that I think the Spurs are looking at, you know? Um, so when you're San Antonio, you need a bit more dough. You're not going to get guys on the cheap. You're naturally going to overpay a little bit. You know, I'm sorry. That's just the way that it is. When you're San Antonio, you, you gotta, you gotta fork up a little bit more money to say, Hey, you know, there's no way that you can turn down this offer. Um, 
I was kind of interested to see if, if Brian Wright would get creative and, and try to sign some guys now and treat this a little bit as free agency for the off season and, and make something happen. But, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the route. Um, but there are tons of options and abilities to go in the off season. And it's so exciting because the core of this team is there. And I think Brian Wright has the ability to tip the scales and alter this roster into a championship contender uh, with, with the right pieces. And, and I truly mean that, like, you know, this, this squad is going to be um, way more competitive fighting for a championship um, earlier than what people think. So, and, and, you know, I brought up the thing last year that even if they strike out in free agency, they can always pay guys. They can front load a bunch of contracts, rework deals with the Derek, pay them more up front so that they clear that room later and then when they are more successful try to attack in free agency again at a, at a later date yeah I, th- I think that you know when you look at the Aldridge situation um I don't I don't think the trade market is going to be great for him because of that it because of that contract I mean we've just seen that teams uh there are a few teams that have the money to make it work in a two-team deal uh Reportedly, there are offers out there for him, but they would all involve the Spurs taking on long-term contracts. So, um, <clears throat> you know, a buyout by definition is not great, uh, not a great reflection on the GM who signed that deal, right? Because that that's an acknowledgement that like, okay, we've reached an impasse here, either because of play or because of something else. This is not working. Um, but you don't want to then go compound that mistake by, uh, you know, making another one. Um, so I, I think if the Spurs are to buy Aldridge out, it's not my money. Uh, not any of the fans' money, really. Um, the They'll still have their cap space moving forward. Um, and... I mean, they'll have, cl- they'll have clarity, right? We, we hear a lot of complaints, you know, not just that they aren't do anything, doing anything, but, you know, because they aren't doing, doing anything, I don't know what they're doing. You know, that, that's something that I hear a lot of from Spurs fans. And it's like, well, you know, the, the path that they've laid out for themselves is pretty clear. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's not the most uh, out there, crazy, sexy thing, but... Um, you know, one foot in front of the other. Is the, the biggest front office thing they've done this season kind of acknowledging that Aldridge, that, that it's time to move on from Aldridge and then giving all those minutes, giving the role to Pirtle, you know, that, that counts, you know, that counts as something. You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that, I mean, want to involve Pop in the front office decisions, which is fair. I mean, kind yeah. of is the same deal. But yeah, I, I think that the, the recognition that it's not working. Um, and we've said it on this podcast a million times and, and we're going to, you know, regurgitate this a million times over. Um, LaMarcus Aldridge is not a defensive wizard. The legs are gone. Uh, he could still provide a lot of offensive help, but San Antonio's bread and butter when they hit their peak is they are going to lock you up. They win games by their defense. You know, that's a tale as old as time with this organization. And for them to be successful in the present and in the future, they need people who can provide defense. And you can, you can allow a guy like DeMar DeRozan to be on the team because he's such an offensive impact and is so versatile on that side of the floor that you can live with the bad defense and hide him a little bit. But you can't have him and LaMarcus. You can't have two people like that because then, then the dam is broken. What what if he does the uh, Blake Griffin special and you know looks super washed, gets bought out of his big contract, and then once he goes to a contender, all of a sudden his legs work again? I, I think that would leave Spurs fans feeling a little sour. If, yeah, I mean, Spurs fans already hate Lamarcus. So I don't know what uh, what else they're going to do to the, the, the general population of Spurs fans. I should say. Um, I think a lot of them have have proper respect for him. Uh, yeah, I know a lot of them do. Um, Spurs fans worst nightmare. I would say like it's like I, I think it's like sixty forty at best of people sixty percent being like I don't like Lamarcus from Spurs Twitter. 
I think Spurs fans' worst nightmare is is come this summer when uh, Aldridge has been bought up by the Clippers and Leonard and Aldridge win a championship together uh, for Los Angeles, right? That that sounds like a nightmare scenario. There's a lot of names out there for Aldridge. He, he'll have his pick, I guess, of where he wants to go uh, once once he does get bought out. Um, but yeah, there's probably a decent chance that he, he goes to a contender and we'll see him on a deep run in the playoffs. And whether or not he looks great or not, whether he can make the court, we'll, we'll see. So, I, I would I would kind of fade. I, I still think it's going to be a little bit – at least the difference with Pal Gasol was that he didn't really provide anything offensively at that point in his career either. But Marcus, you can stick somewhere. But, you know, I'm, the, the, his teammates are going to have to work overtime to make sure that he's not a liability on the court defensively. And I don't think you can hide him. The, the book is out on him. So, you know, don't, don't post him up. Don't go downhill on him. And then you're pretty much golden. So we've got two nights of Kawhi Leonard ahead of us uh, as we go to the back-to-back with the Clippers. Uh, is this the longest stretch of time you think Kawhi spent in uh, San Antonio since that trade? Uh, <laughs> it's got to be. Right? Yeah. And Spurs fans will be in the building, uh, and I'm, I'm sure that even Pasty, yeah. you might hear some, uh, some booing gone his way. Uh, is there anything that stands out to you, Tom, on the matchup there, uh, another, maybe another chance to see Keldon match up against Kawhi or, or anything like that? I know the Clippers are also without Patrick Beverly tonight, too, and Serge Ibaka. And, and Serge Ibaka, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anytime Keldon and Kawhi play each other, uh, it's, it's going to be appointment television for Spurs fans. Um, you know, if you know, you know, that was the, the pick that was part of that trade for Kawhi became Keldon Johnson. So, uh, and especially because he, he said coming into the league that, you know, that was one of the guys that he really looked up to and modeled his game after. Um, anytime those two face off, I'm watching um, and it's, it's going to be a fun time. It's straight out of Star Wars, right? You know, you, you had Anakin Skywalker. He turns the dark side. Suddenly Luke's going up against him. And those are some, uh, some great bouts. You, you don't want to miss any of those. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, it's – and, you know, he, he says he doesn't care who he's playing against, you know. And I kind of believe him. But I only believe him as much as I can believe him on mm-hmm. that, you know. Like, yes, yes. You can only believe him as much as you want to believe him. <laughs> right. But, you, you know – you you don't care, but you care a little. Like I, I feel like everybody would care a little bit if they were playing against you know uh, players of that caliber. So um, you know, not not that he needs a cause to bring energy. Uh, that is, he's never been deficient in that area. So um, you know, just excited to to watch that and um, you know the the team defense with Jakob Pertl at the helm now is better than uh, the one that, that played against this Clippers team earlier in the season. So um, excited to watch that as well. For sure. Yeah, this is uh, this is an interesting stretch to play the Clippers in because first off for the Clippers, it's weird to play the Spurs in the sense that you have a, thir- a 13 game stretch where 11 of those games are home. And these are the only two road games weird so i think they're not going to be loving this random trip in the middle of their week um two uh kind of a good time to play the clippers they in their last 15 games they're seven and eight um they finally put together back-to-back wins for the first time in a month so uh and not to mention the clippers have gone through uh like five or six of these back-to-back-ish type of series whether it's an actual back-to-back or playing that team, you know, again with a, with a rest day. And they've only swept the Thunder very early in the season. Um, they split every other series. So the mentality here is I expect the Spurs to win one. And I think that's really, as a Spurs fan, that's all you're asking for, right? Split the series. You would definitely love the, to win the front end because we know how the second Babas go. Um, <laughs> Usually, we don't know which one, but one's going to suck. Is it going to be today? Is it going to be tomorrow? Who knows? That's the fun of a Sega Baba. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, anything else looking ahead that you guys want to, uh, to call out as this homestand continues? I mean, it was, you know, frustrating loss against Charlotte, these two tough games against the Clippers. But the rest of these games on the homestand, Chicago, Sacramento, Sacramento, Atlanta, Indiana, Cleveland. Like, those are six winnable games. Um, 
And so, you know, even if things don't go well, these next two, uh, I'm not, I'm not hitting the panic button quite yet. Yeah. I, I think the mark, uh, I think the mark for me going into this homestand was at minimum six and three. That's kind of why that Charlotte loss hurts. Yeah. Cause I think that's like the, the buffer loss that you had. Like, you know, I'm not expecting you to go nine and zero here and going into this, I know you're going to lose at least one Clippers game. So that's one L. And then I knew you were going to, you're going to stumble. You know, you're probably going to lose one of the Kings games too, because the, it's very tough to beat the same opponent twice, just across the league. Very rarely have teams been sweeping other teams. It's always been a split. Like the majority of the time it's been a split. So, um, you know, I, I had them pegged for three losses during this stretch and that, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to really take care of business and Atlanta's playing better. You know, um, Indiana's always a tough team. It, it's, um, you know, but no excuses. I mean, you're home for a nine game stretch. You have to take care of business. So my, my biggest point of emphasis is to just, Take one from the Clippers and then go on a run and, uh, and make it happen. And there's going to be a stinker somewhere in the middle there. But um, you know this uh, this is a pivotal this is a pivotal point in the Spurs season because they really need to kind of catch up to the Blazers, who um, you know uh, they still like I don't know how the Blazers keep winning games. They they like, and 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 I do because I, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at Damian Lillard's clutch statistics. I know the clutch stats start at five minutes, but I actually reduced it down to two because two is a lot more fun. <laughs> and uh, his percentages are wild. Wild. This guy does not miss in the last two minutes of a game. Um, so, I mean, I just, I mean, he's, he's, you know, DeMar DeRozan's a pretty good closer, but Lillard and what he's doing for the Blazers, man, that team should not be where it is. Like he is, he is for sure an MVP candidate. And you have to contend with that when trying to keep up in the Western Conference. Plus, Dallas has been coming on since the All-Star break. That looks great. Yeah, uh, so you got that coming up uh, on, on the wings there. You're sandwiched in the, in the Western Conference, which is always going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Tom mentioned, I think uh, this is probably the easiest stretch of games left for the Spurs in terms of winnability this, uh, after the Clippers. You know, that, that's the end of the season on. is rough, so they better get these wins. Yeah, I, I would say if you're getting to get if you're going to any of these games in person, uh, watch Keldon Johnson. I mean, he we've talked about it plenty today. He has brings energy. He's a lot of fun. Um, I, I would I, I wish I could see him in person at some point in time because I just want to hear the volume he brings. It comes through on the TV. Uh, his his uh, primal screams, if you will, uh, on the court there. Uh, I I I, I want to hear how electric he is in the building. I'm sure in a mostly empty AT&T center, it's just like echoing off the walls. Like you can hear him all the way up top. Just, ah. I mean, before, before, I guess the end of March or end of February, they started letting uh, fans back in the stands. Before that, he'd only played eight total minutes in front of Spurs fans. So this is really the first look. Spurs fans need to see him in person, and it's a small group, but um, yeah, I mean, that's and a group. By the way, after this homestand, the Spurs have a total of seven home games. That's it. So cherish it. <laughs> All right. As long as you can, cherish it. Oh, and speaking of cherishing it, uh, Evan Klosky, we are cherishing every minute we get with you. Uh, you made the announcement today on your Twitter that uh, you know, Tampa Bay is uh, is calling your name, uh, calling yeah. you up to the big leagues as a sports director there for WTSP 10 Tampa. Uh, we're going to miss you here in the pod, man. It's been a lot of fun having you here in San Antonio and in the podcast. Uh, of course, you get to be a Spurs fan now uh, on Twitter. Right. So Join That's the- right. That, now I get to give you guys you go. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Gotta edit that out, I guess. Is it? Is it because I was bad? Did, did I? Did I? Me? Is it my fault? <laughs> Thomas Wilson standing in the empty uh, living room saying, "Why don't you want me, man?" Yeah, I'll take it back, man. I, I didn't mean it. No, no I'll, e- I'll give you more airtime. My evil plan to force Evan out is fine. Like. I didn't think it would happen this quickly, you know. <laughs> I, I always knew there was only room for one of us loudmouth Long Islanders on here, but I'm 
I'm still sad that this era has to come to an end, man. Yeah. We're we're gonna miss you terribly. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm I'm super super sad to to, to leave this, uh, you know, leave this city. Um, you know, I'm super sad. I'm not gonna see the Spurs kind of blossom into that beautiful flower that we've been watching grow over these past three years. You know, like my entire time here has been the transitional phase. My first week on the job was the Kawhi trade, and sort of. You know, my, my, my end time here is, is kind of this last season where I think the, the transition is finally going to be complete. After this year, you're finally going to see what Brian Wright and that entire front office, including Pop, has been trying to figure out ever since the Kawhi Leonard deal blew up the entire, like, five-year plan for this group. So, um, you know, I'm going to be able to watch it from afar. I'm going to be able to listen. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you'll still see it. You'll just be yeah, in Florida. No, I, I know, but I'm not going to be a part of it. Um, you know, that, that there's, a, there's, there's a sense of pride that comes with, with being part of the community during those moments. And, um, as, you know, as I said, I, I have the utmost confidence in where this, where this uh, organization is going. Uh, I have the utmost confidence in, in where this podcast is going. You know, this is just kind of the, the start for us. And, um, you know, you two uh, are the heads of the snake. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be gone, but the, the, the pod's going to live on. And I, I cannot wait to kind of see the, the things where this, this podcast is going to progress because I know uh, that evil genius and Tom Petrini has some ideas going. Sorry, and- I'm just laughing about which part of the snake you are. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't want have those? you don't want to know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a snake biologist. I'm in your head, man. I'm in your head. I have, I have one last note to leave you on here, Evan. Uh, just uh, one last thing here to, to kind of. Big, 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 big body. Oh, man. I've had that on loop all day. It's uh, never leaving my head. Speaking of head rent free. I know it's coming and I'm still laughing. It's so dumb. It's so awesome at the same time. Well, that's uh, words they also used to describe at real time Petrini's where you can find. Oh, that's Tom Petrini. He's on Twitter at Real Tom Petrini. Evan Klosky, you can find him at Evan Klosky. And of course, follow the Big Fun Pod at Big Fun Pod. I'm Jackson Floyd at Jackson Kins 5. And of course, we are the Big Fun Pod, Kins 5's pod, the Spurs podcast. And Kins 5, of course, is the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. Next week, I think we're going to do a very special Evan Klosky grab bag episode. Clear the lane, clear the paint, whatever he wants to talk about, let him bring it to the horn. So. Yeah. Man, we 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 really have to give him extra special license to not shut up. Oh yep. God, that's what's gonna happen, and you got to deal with it. I don't even care. Uh, I don't even feel bad. Don't even feel bad one bit. We 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 may top. We 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 hit Avengers Endgame runtime in the past. This might be Snyder Cut Justice League. <laughs> and and you know what? I don't know how we're gonna do it, but this next podcast is gonna be about an hour and a half of just panning shots. Slow motion. (laughs) Slow motion. All right, we'll see you guys next time.